This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hi, this is John Dorsey, co-executive producer of Superhuman Public Radio and the voice of Ethan Schwartz. I wanted to talk to you about a new sponsor of SPR. The series is called The White Vault a horror audio drama set in a remote Arctic outpost and the records of the team sent to repair the station. Now, if you're fans of H.P. Lovecraft's At the Mountains of Madness, this show is for you. Now, this series is complete, so if you're looking for something with a definitive end, check them out today. Find them on your favorite podcasting app or at thewhitevault.com. Now, on to the show. We... Recording. Well, oh, uh, is it the this is behind the scenes of SPR? Yeah, it's a little bit slower than normal, but yeah, this is behind the scenes of SPR. And then the horns go here. Oh, yeah, another one to theoretically give me a break <laughs> while I'm working. Yeah, no, uh, no. Uh, uh, well, to catch you up, I'm co executive producer John Dorsey. And I'm co-executive producer, Maximilian Clark. And this is episode two of our behind-the-scenes series. Our last episode covered the comics that inspire SPR. And Max, what are we tackling today? Well, uh, we're talking about the podcasts that brought our show to life. It's all the, all the little inspirations for our individual segments and how we adapted them and how they uh, became the shows we know and love. Yeah, so if you are an avid NPR listener, you have no doubt caught up on some pretty direct references to hit NPR shows on the series, and if you're more of a comic guy, by the end of this episode, we'll have some pretty cool radio for you to check out. Undoubtedly. So we're going to start with kind of a, a simple one, the speech bubble, which is, of course, influenced by... Fresh Air, the NPR interview program hosted by Terry Gross. Terry Gross, Kelly Close. Yeah. Yeah. People are drawing lines. Yeah. And this one is pretty obvious. Actually, the first thing I ever wrote for SPR, which was years before I worked on it with Max, was the Cosmos interview. Hello. Hi. Uh, Kelly? Yes. So, you know, we're recording. With whoever Kelly Close was actually going to wind up being. I've been digging through old pitch documents and looking for information. And I think the original name was like, was like Terry Strange or like Daniel Uh, Strange. Oh, that's that's funny. You didn't play on gross. Like like terry yuck or something like that <laughs> i mean that we're, that, that, we're... that feels that feels like sort of the uh lazy shenanigans we get up to sometimes <laughs> well yeah i mean you're right on the money right there um yeah i mean but you know kelly close is pretty close to worth noting uh for our listeners in this episode i'm kind of sick so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna work through it 
Um, yeah, Max is kind of sick, and I just got off having like a cold for two weeks because I'm on a medication that messes with my immune system. So we're just like two wounded buffalo groaning at each other on a plains. The last two, the last two before they went extinct in the wild. They're still around. In the wild? Yeah, we brought them back. Oh yeah, that's right. Where you do you actually... think bison burgers come from? It's not like they had that no, no, you know, refrigerator. I feel like bison and American buffalo are different. Same thing. No, really? Yeah, Google it right now. Bison have a massive head, but buffalo have a head that is smaller and more cow-like. Buffalo live in generally warmer climates. Bison are able to survive and thrive. Uh, Wait, whatever. Oh, that's funny. I didn't realize that the customer's interview was the first thing uh, you wrote. That's season one, episode four, if you're looking for it. Yeah, that was... I thought about the, the first place... The first time I ever wrote about SPR, it was a gag in a script about a kid who finds out his dad was a supervillain. And it was just like this throwaway joke of just, you know, he's listening to the radio and then it goes, this is SPR. And it would be, you know, in the NPR, you know, deliver. Like, I always imagine the guy kind of sounding like Peter Sagal, even though Mm -hmm. he's not a news guy. And then... Later on, I was on vacation at the beach and listening to the Black Tapes. Have you listened to the Black Tapes? Uh, an episode two. So, like, you know, I feel like if you do audio drama, you, like, 95%, uh, or at least at over half, listened to the Black Tapes and were like, you know, this thing is awesome. I want to do my version of this. Or they listened to Night Vale and they were like, wow, this is really neat. I also want to do my version of this. Like it's those are like the entry drugs of audio drama creation. And the first. Yeah. So the first thing I ever wrote was an interview with as it was just Superman when I was. Was it it the same one where he's getting deported? Yeah, it's the exact same one. Did I think they would try removing me from the planet for expressing my views? No. It just felt, I don't know why that is the first thing I wrote, but it definitely, it, it, it's been an idea that I've, I've had in my mind forever is, you know, Superman, to my knowledge, has never been naturalized in the comics. And I don't even know if there's like an in-universe moment that he's adopted. So that's something that's kind of bothered me that he could technically be deported at any moment. That's kind of interesting. I mean, well, I mean, like you know, to be fair, we hardly ever see superheroes file their taxes. Um, but like you know, Clark went to a public school, right? I assume so. I mean, he lived in Kansas. His parents were farmers. It's not like they were, you know, rolling in money. Yeah, I don't know. Because they found him as a baby. Yeah, I guess. Also, by the way, you mentioned that you never see superheroes file their taxes. Hardly. Ever. And on. The Batman animated series, there is a moment where the Joker, the Joker yeah. <laughs> is filing his taxes because he's frantically, frantically, frantically because he's like, that, that's how the IRS got Capone, you know? Yeah, he's just like, you know, you know Batman's one thing, but the IRS. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, anyway, he's not wrong. I think it's useful to talk about how we form the show around these different segments in order to give our audience like a variety of things, but also so we can tell different kinds of stories. Yeah. And um, speech bubble was like really essential because we did want like one on one interviews. We wanted to get personal and just have segments that are driven entirely by like one character. 
And I think that's been really fun. I think we accidentally found that Kelly Close Cosmos connection uh, in that segment just from, you know, it's it's funny to talk about chemistry between actors who, like, never interact. But just, like, you know, the way that um, Cosmos and Kelly Close, like, fit together was just like, oh, yeah, great. And it's also, you know, it's radio, so so much of it is interview and you know, last episode, we talked about the dream of having more episodes in every season. And I kind of wish that Kelly interviewed more, you know, kind of quote unquote lead characters. Mm. But it would also require having more time with those characters because when she shines a spotlight on them, like you get to learn so much of them. So you need there to be a larger question about them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting, too, because, like, when we th- when we have an idea for a segment, it's not necessarily that we have a speech bubble idea as uh, so much as we have, like, a character or a concept. And especially when we're going to season two, just, like, the idea of, like, you know, what is the format that best allows us to tell this idea? Like, like do we need to be on location? Do we need archival footage to make this work? Uh, yeah. Like, what is the most interesting thing about it? And then there's also balance because we like having a variety of shows and so like we try to have like three or four uh segments of each every season um but yeah like robin who does kelly i i i think does a really fun job with it and i, I don't know like i i love a lot of our speech bubbles the uh the cosmos one is great the um my my personal hero let's be honest we've all been kidnapped at least at spr it's a rite of passage Some... still a fan of that one yeah, I, I, I love that one about a uh, reporter who's been rescued by the same hero like 400 times and hasn't put it together that that's their fiance. Which uh, is, uh, that you know, just Lois Lane, but she doesn't know it's Superman yet. Just like that was such a fun pitch mm-hmm. that we could dig into and to have. It was Sonia. It's Sonia O'Hara, right? Yeah, Sonia. And just the like. You know, because she's well. Sonia did Avalantress. She did. She did. She did the the superhero girlfriend to this yeah. this reporter who's being interviewed, and you can you know just the like kind of like you can feel this person like doing the like no stop like the you know drawing the finger across her neck like yeah. kill it kill it kill it stop stop doing this interview like she well, doesn't know and then I, Kelly's I mean, my, my, my favorite my favorite note my favorite line in that is like Kelly says something like. You know, don't you ever wish that she could see you the same way she sees Avalantras? Like they're having this crosstalk, and uh, Sonia comes in with this, like, "Well, I think that if she saw me risking my life out there, she would ask me to stop." Uh, and what I like about that is that that moment is like so tense, but it's not—it's it, not the beat. Like the beat comes right after when um, when uh, Taylor's character is just like. No, but you are my hero, right? Like, 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 and and we we really get to play with the idea that the alter ego is important. Like, it's a relationship between people, um, and just just playing around with the idea that like you know every time I've been rescued, you're there afterwards, giving me the emotional support that I need. And I I think that's like I think that's something that's really cool that we do. I think that's really like at the heart of the show, is like obviously, the cinematic thing is the rescue, but the story like the 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 emotional story is what happens in the aftermath and we talk 
lot. We have like four or five episodes about what happens to survivors of people uh, who get rescued. Yeah. Uh, and, and and that's that's one of my favorite things that we do. And and uh, yeah, and I also like I also like that we we let Kelly like ask like the hard hitting like Barbara Walters like set, like questions and like you know re- really push against people. And uh, obviously over the course of this season, she uh, gets to do that a little bit more. Who on the program, and it can be a character that, and I, in some ways this is sort of spoilers, but not uh-huh. really. Like, who from our universe do you wish Kelly interviewed? Iron Barracuda. Yeah. Uh, I think that, like, I think we hint this season a lot at um, sort of, like, the underlying conflict in her because like iron barracuda is a suit but like in the same way that like the heroic legion is not fought she like she plays a high level game right where she does have to make compromises but she you know does not like that she has to do that like she she definitely joined the heroic community like i mean she's iron man right like 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 you know she she wanted to save people um she's like iron aquaman yeah that's that's more true yeah she's she's not tony stark <laughs> but um but yeah i mean like you know she, it's what it's you know it's that same story like you want to help people but you have to deal with the practical nature of the business of heroing uh and yeah I, I think there's there's something like really really cool uh is this a spoiler no it, um in, in in season three uh i definitely uh at the end of season two we sort of leave space for Iron Barracuda to have like a role in the events of season three, and, or do we? Ooh. <laughs> uh, how yeah. about you? Uh, you know, it's the character that I've wanted Kelly to interview is Prince Nokov of Zarpathia. Of Zarpathia, just because we we never get to know our villains as well. We well, we get to know our villains on this show, but we never get their full pov and nokov is i've always kind of imagined nokov in the sort of like very classic final or, or uh, i've almost said final fantasy um fantastic four like 1960s doctor uh-huh. doom of uh-huh. just like harebrained schemes and just like like i'll get you reed richards Meh. you know he's just like he's he's just he's fucking evil right he's just yeah capital e evil and he's fine with it and i wish we had an interview with him at some point during the season not that we don't get to know nokov more well it's I, just... I mean it's just that nokov is he is like the window dressing villain yeah uh, of the show like when you think about it like you know our main villains in this show we we we, we get some time with i think probably a lot of time this season i mean no cough uh gary guinness gary. um yeah uh is our is our big season antagonist i mean i think we spend a lot of time with probably the big bad um of the show right yeah i just it's one of those things that, that especially because we spend you know we we try to structure it like a tv show but we have these you know, we, we have a lot of time because, you know, we have a, just a small production team, which is mostly Max. And 
just the sort of like hindsight is 2020 and kind of like, oh man, who would have been really fun? Like a character that I have wanted to hear from just because I think they have just the best superhero name. The Green Thumb. Is the Green Thumb. And there's a character that you will meet in the second half of season two that I, you know, I, I pushed to be Green Thumb and, and Max rightly pushed back saying, no, that's not the time for them. Because really... Having Green Thumb be this person that we we have not met is so fun because you know they are they could be anybody. Like I I have always imagined Green Thumb being like a child, like just like some green child that is just like you know has flowers growing around them, like a Miyazaki character, you know, like one of, you know in like the the Forest God and in uh, Princess Mononoke, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's my you know the, that is how I see green thumb i have never asked max how he sees green thumb and he's the one who wrote green thumb yeah that's true well um i mean part of the reason we haven't seen green thumb is i think uh canonically they have they were mostly active 70s through 90s um and so like you know they've been out of like the big pick like like we, we are dealing with a lot of the things that like the green thumb like it, like has left behind um yeah i like i don't know because like i think a lot of the escapades the green thumb has gone on are uh are like half captain planet and half um poison ivy uh See, the, the more you talk about this character the more i'm like damn it <laughs> no no hey, like we'll, 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 you know this is why we need a season three patreon supporters patreon supporters and just uh and, and, and hey uh we we just added a couple patreon supporters uh yeah, that uh you know what on these behind the scenes as long as we're going back there like you know our patreon supporters uh are actually extremely <laughs> extremely important uh to our show uh and uh daniel gore uh just uh became a member uh we also have a lot of canadian support um uh Bizrat, uh, um yeah uh graham um tyler hewson yeah like like uh this season and, and i have to imagine that's that's uh sean um uh, maybe who knows I, I, I don't know i think I, I, oh yeah god god willing in season three we're uh we'll uh get to meet them and I guess I, before we wrap up this part of the episode, what is your favorite speech bubble? Yeah, what's yours? Uh, it's split. One, it's one that you wrote, the My Personal Hero, the Lois Lane being interviewed uh, about being rescued so many times by Superman and not realizing their spouse is Superman, which is so fun. You know, I... I there are a lot of segments that we have are sort of like, this is the platonic idea of what this show is. And that one is the speech bubble for me because it's, it's superhero stuff. It's character work and it's, it's cute. You know, it's a very cute segment. It has action in it. And I just, I've always been a fan of that one. Season one, episode 10. Yeah. Uh, I just looked it up. Yeah, uh, you know it's, it's funny to say that because because I, I I think my number one is the Cosmos interview. It's even funnier that that's the first thing uh, that you wrote for it. But um, yeah, I, I mean like one, uh, you know, I just you know, I'm a huge Danny Gavigan uh, fan. But 
you really get to stretch their dynamic. Uh, like like it like it's very really sweet, and you know you just like get to see. Uh, it was it was the first time in, in the show that we really got to take a character who had been in the headlines, like like in the news cycle, and really like meet them. And I I just think that's like that's so cool that we uh, got to take that deep dive. Um, and um, yeah, and getting to revisit that uh, this season was a lot of fun. How does it feel to be out of the spandex? Well, it makes gardening easier. <laughs> it's good to see you again, Kelly. How was the trip? Windy, but the company was yeah. excellent. <laughs> yeah, with episode six, which you've heard, which was uh, well, you know, maybe we always heard. thought is. You know, at the sort of sequel to that episode. Yeah. You know, we we tried, especially with this season, tried to think of to serialize the show more mm-hmm. and sort of revisit. You know, what were those storylines yeah. in season one? And I remember when you pitched, we had always we always knew that Zen and the United States were going to come to a head, and when you pitched it as a speech bubble. It felt it. It was. It was like oh, like I, I ideas that feel inevitable. I'm just like, yeah. of course, it's their second meeting. Cosmos seems like he's fine, and then just like the bubble pops. Yeah. Well, I, well, I mean, he it. seems like he's not coping well. No, <laughs> I mean, he's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. When somebody Ca- tells Ca- you capital F fine. Yeah. Well, but like when somebody says I'm fine, it means it, what it really means is I need therapy. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. But but actually, you know, when you think about it, it's kind of fun because um, his nemesis, well, one of his nemesis, uh, Bone Grinder, uh, makes his first appearance on the speech bubble as well uh, in season one, episode seven, uh, which has one of my favorite speech bubble moments where it's just like, you know, from a from the. Lunar Supermax oh, Prison yeah. on the Moon, Bone Grinder. And on the phone from Lunar Supermax Prison, we have frequent Cosmos nemesis, Bone Grinder. Let's go. Oh like, my god, I love that line. Of course he's going to win. He's Cosmos. And then like a four-second pause, and then Kelly just turns and is like, okay, Linda. Yeah. <laughs> and, then went, and then just like back to like normal politics. Um, God, I, I, yeah, I love the show. Um, yeah, yeah, um... I, I, I think something, too, that uh, the speech bubble is really good for uh, when we use it, like the way we use it this season, is we wanted more things to happen in the moment just to yeah. ratchet up, like, tension. Because, you know, if it's pre-recorded, you know everyone's making it out of there okay. And this season we have a lot of stuff happening live on tape. Um, and uh, that Kelly segment was really fun because we got to really put us in the middle. Uh, we got to walk through you know, the island and, you know, see what it means and how they built it and really get settled and then, boom, hit them with a hammer. When I imagined it, I imagined that one take shot in Children of Men Yeah. when mm-hmm. Clive Owen's going into the building. That's what I, I always imagined it. And Yeah, that, you know, that, that, that's, how I, that's how I saw it too. That's actually really fun. Oh, it's cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that is the speech bubble inspired by fresh air. Um mm-hmm which I believe is still on. It's still on. Um, yeah. My I, think, favorite... I, think, I think there's probably a little dateline in there too. 
There's a little bit of Dateline. Uh, if you're a DC native, well, I'm sure this is nationally syndicated. There's the Diane Ream show, and she has this like crazy voice. I the, I never talked to you about it because I was just like, there's no way I, Max is going to shoot me down the second I pitch it. But I'm, I'm, I was, I'm already shooting you down. I know. Uh, <laughs> her voice is so crazy. I used to listen to it just because her voice made me giggle, which makes me a bad person. Um, um, well, uh, uh, yeah. Who's that slug character from Monsters Incorporated? Like, like oh, hey, yeah. Mike Wazowski. Mike Wazowski. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next next segment. Uh, this was a show that Matt Max actually pitched uh, to be a part of SPR, which. Uh, yeah, what, uh, well, yeah, because you had a lot of the segments uh, already uh, down, but you were missing uh, what is, I think, my favorite uh, show, which is uh, 99% Invisible. And, like, every episode of 99% Invisible will just, like, ready you for mingling for, like, the next year of your life. There is so much, like, cool stuff that they go into. Um, and, uh, and I, like... You know, we're doing this show about superheroes, and I'm like, we need a show about design and technology outside and of the utility belt. With, with probably the be- one of the best names on the show, which is 100% Invisible. Yeah, well, I mean, not only that, but, like, the host of 99% Invisible is Roman Mars, and we got to do the double flip on that and make it Ares Greco. Uh, I know. Yeah, and it's God just, like, it's yeah. such a good superhero name. Roman Mars, also great superhero name. I know, but like that one, that one, yeah. too, that it's just like it's like having the name, like your name is just, I don't know, Steel Muscleman. <laughs> just like uh, that, 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 that's funny. That's uh, what I was planning on naming my firstborn child. Oh, very, very Steel Muscleman, uh, Clark, Ma, yeah, Montero, police were. Uh, no, you know, not passing on, but um, yeah, and it's actually funny thinking back uh, to. Like when we were first putting 100% Invisible in, because the first episode in 99% Invisible, the one that hooked me, was about doors. Um, and just like, you know, those doors that have that like big long pole mounted to both sides, uh, but they only open in one direction. Yeah. There was like a 15 minute uh, bit of that episode that's just a, a bunch of experts talking about how those doors are the worst. I I almost broke a glass door earlier this year because it was it was a pull but like no it was supposed to be yeah. a push but like it was a pull I, I don't know yeah, it's no, just no, no, those no. doors and, and doors should be designed so you intuitively know whether you're pushing or pulling like the best kind of door is flat on one side handle on the other um and and that's what the segment is about and it's funny because that bleeds into the uh actual episode that we uh had in season one which was also about doors uh and uh there's something that's like like they made doors so interesting on that show uh, and 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 that was absolutely inspiring uh there's actually there's so there's too many great episodes of uh 99% invisible to to count. Well, but you know, since we're here, which are if you're gonna if you're gonna point anybody to episodes of ninety nine percent invisible, which at this point, if you haven't picked up on it, um, it's a it's a show that specifically focuses on art and in design, yeah, and especially tackling such a subject from 
angles that you might not think about. Yeah, it's a little bit like how things work, um, where they just like, yeah, they'll just tackle some aspect. Like, as long as it is nominally related to the idea of design, they'll do these deep dives. And um, are, the way 100% Invisible is designed is is a little similar to it in the way they'll bring in archival footage and uh and they'll like they'll set the scene and do music there's a fantastic episode that's about uh toronto canada fighting this war against raccoons and losing they spent like two million (laughs) dollars trying to design a trash can that raccoons couldn't open and it, it took hours one raccoon figured it out and explained it to the raccoon community. Yeah, just got on raccoon Twitter and by raccoon musk. Rat, rat, <laughs> racket, like Reddit. No, but it's also rat. No, face mask book, book, face mask book. Yeah, yeah, all right. they There's, got the it, little domino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fun. That's fun. Uh, so, one hundred percent invisible. Uh, I think like one of my favorite running gags is. Uh, that Ares is hinted at being an extremely powerful uh, super. Yeah, and did we do? Did we yeah. do that in season yeah, we one? Uh, we we hinted at it. Uh, uh, we, we, there was just it's like every time it came up, bases. he just got very nervous Let's about say you're it. A superhero. Like, That's ridiculous. Me, I oh, hypothetically, right. <laughs> so you spend a good amount. Of time. Uh, we did that a couple of times, uh, and then this season uh, he drops that he's the actual uh, Ares, God of War. And yeah. uh, but he's still just like this super nebbish guy. So I personally, I'm going to point you to two uh, segments that I've been a huge fan of of um, from 99% Invisible. One of them, it's called the Barney Design. It inspired the T-shirts segment in season one, which is they're talking about. Is it the Toronto Raptors? Yeah, oh, in, it's the in- Raptors. In the in the ninety nine percent invisible. In the ninety nine percent invisible, there's a there's a basketball yeah. team that it's it's called the Raptors, and they had this one uh, jersey design that was like incredibly gaudy, that you know got a lot of press back in the day, and then it wound up setting off this like huge design competition, and everybody needed these like giant mascot, you know. I, if if you're a child of the 90s, like you probably had one of these jerseys, not because you like the team, but because you were like that design rips. And like, you know, uh, if you had like a Hornets shirt, you know, like all of all of those designs were kind of of that era. And that directly inspired the idea of, oh, like, why do so many superheroes like have a giant emblem on their chest? And it's like, oh, it's because they were trying to sell T-shirts. Nothing was quite as iconic as a simple logo printed across the chest. Well, I mean, but that's also literally why. And, like, that's why they have them, so they can sell merch. Yeah. And then uh, the second one, which was, uh, there's an there's an upcoming episode. It is that uh, is is a favorite of mine from the season and it's it's a max writing episode and not because max wrote more or because we tend to break we don't break out full episodes we'll break out segments mm-hmm. and then kind of whoever has written the most on it sort of they wind up taking more ownership 
I feel like the way that we did season two was really just like, here's a like bucket of segments and then we claim them and write them and then later we we fit them into place. We we did, but it is one that like this episode and like everybody had their like we both had our babies this season, like seer or sequential, like that was my baby mm-hmm. for yeah. the season. Mm-hmm. And then because that that was something that we tried to do in season one, and I was I was so and you know what actually we're gonna talk about this this stuff later, but the other episode, um, which is episode seven, and without any hints, or if you want to hint towards that episode, you should look out at you should look up the ninety nine percent invisible episode, the model city, and it's this really neat episode about this. Um, oh, that's the one you're talking about. I thought you were talking about yeah. uh, 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 the, the, the one with your friend, the green thumb. That one is also very good. The 99% Visible episode, which you should listen to, and it will hint towards episode seven, is about this scale model of the city of San Francisco that was designed in like the 30s. And it was just like put away in storage and somebody found it and they've just been like had been putting it back together. And it was so neat. And there was a couple of pitches that I had of just this idea of like, like a possible speech bubble that we never did and never will do. Cause it's just at this point, it's an idea that I'm not interested in pursuing, but it was going to be about a person whose power was kind of like if, if poison Ivy can affect plants, it was going to be an individual who could affect building materials and kind of like was somebody that could construct cities and that episode and like made me think about it and kind Mm. of how would they conceive of it but uh it's it's an episode it's a it's an episode of 99 percent invisible that i listened to before i was ever listening to the show for spr it's it's one that stuck with me for some reason i don't know why um it's just the it I, I guess the idea of having this like giant model city is something that like little kid me would love to have <laughs> to just play with action figures. I don't know. I don't want to spoil episode seven other than listen to it. Oh yeah, uh and, and, and actually probably worth noting, uh, before we leave the segment, there is one hundred percent invisible this season. Uh there wasn't any in the first half, but there are three uh in the next four episodes. It was it was it was because um the way that sequential uh fit into the first half of the season uh and all of our two parters it's not because we don't like that segment it was just oh, we love it so much purely there are a lot of pitches from the season that hit the cutting room floor because when we figured it out and actually here's here's a fun inside baseball for you guys that are listening so me and Max were the lead writers on the show but we brought on. Uh, a bunch of other producers this season because one you know writers yeah well writer producer i'm I'm using the term in like television you should use it you should say okay writer. writer um even though sometimes they get the credit producer anyways we can argue this later uh we we've always dreamed about this being our tv show so we wanted to have a writer's room and kind of almost like a chris carter x files y way of just having people do these one shots, you know, while we sort of reserve all the smoking man episodes for ourselves. So we brought in, um, listing them out. We have Rachel music, uh, who 
Max met at the Catalyst Festival and had expressed interest in working the show. And we wound up reading her pilot and, you know, just very, yeah, we very quickly learned, like, holy shit, she's a very talented individual. We need this person on the show. Um, we brought on. Great voice actor, too. Uh, voice of Candace. Excellent voice actor. You heard her as um, Candace, Candace Stripe. And uh, you will hear her right. as uh, a bunch of other yeah. people this season um uh dinah coming up yeah uh, we brought on sally kina who is a filmmaker and friend of mine from washington dc she lives in la now oh we should probably uh yeah rachel wrote the devin Connolly uh utility belt um, sally wrote the diner episode in episodes uh season two episode six episode six we've got um tim tim burkhart who was a suggestion from sally uh he's a musician and artist who at this point i think he's like traveling the world i should i should tim if you're hearing this uh how you doing we should talk call phone home phone home we also have uh tony asande asande yeah. that's uh, yeah that, that that that's that's a carla uh get um and he wrote a really fun uh segment that's going to be in episode 10 later this season uh about uh super school and uh should be noted carla is a producer on the show and uh she mostly she basically everybody you've been like wow that's really good casting that's a carla get yeah yeah carla meets a talented person and never forgets them yeah like 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 she recognizes like oh you're really talented at this specific thing if this ever comes up again in my life i will find a way to contact you uh and and she does and she's great um and uh yeah no and she's a she, she was gonna write a uh, segment for us uh but uh she was finishing uh her master's in social work at the time and ugh, couldn't couldn't be bothered and uh last but not least we have taylor coriel who is a writer and filmmaker who just got married and uh and and hey was the voice of karen carter uh the one in my personal hero that's that right we talking about. and the voice of bluebell from season yeah. one and i believe you'll hear bluebell again this she season. she has like she has a couple of lines yeah. in a new segment yeah is that it yeah well we had one oh, more this is john bacher yeah john bacher who wrote a segment that we were a fan of but it came down to sort of it was flavors on the show and it's one that we might do a uh, recording of although it might just appear in season three we're still figuring that out season three yeah. is Ra rachel also had one that got uh scrapped for time that's true um, and, and I, uh, I have i have one i have two yeah that that's got right scrapped for t time and ones two? that i were well, wait, wait two yeah no. two two because because there's uh zeus kane what's the other one uh, the other one was Hero Worship, which it was in. Wait, wait, did you actually write that? It is like my, I think it's like half done. And then. Oh, uh, well, yeah. And then we kind of knew we were like, well, it's because I I, I really wanted to write that. That was going to be a speech bubble. Yeah. And then it just got to this point where it's just we we're picking. We were picking and choosing. It was like, the, all right, fine. <laughs> it's not going to make yeah. it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, no. But the, but the other ones are completely written. Uh, so, uh, you know, hey, you know, if we get some more Patreon supporters, maybe mid-season. Or not mid-season, but like this maybe in between season the seasons. Next. No, no, I'm saying between season two and season oh, three. Oh, yeah. There's going to be more behind-the-scenes things that are going to come out because we know the show takes a while to produce. But also remember, <laughs> we're a very small team. 
and uh, we just want it to be the best thing possible. Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite uh, 100% invisible Maximilian? That is tough. That is, that is, that is real tough. Um, I, I love all of these um, so much. Um, I will say my favorite, uh, I'll, I'll do a cop-out answer. My favorite to record uh, this season uh, was the one about a call center uh, that you're going to get in uh, episode 10. And it's because Monty, uh, who plays Ares, um, there is a lot of very weird grammar that is that only makes sense in the context of this episode. Like, your brain totally rejects it in any other context. And he had the hardest time with uh, some of the some of the paragraphs uh, about, like, uh, like that had this weird grammar in it. And it took, like, 20 minutes. He was just, like, cracking up every time he got to it because his brain because his mouth would just autocorrect. And then we'd have to go back and get it again. Um, yeah. And, and that episode is great. Uh, Amanda Sykes is uh, in it and it's. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Oh God! I don't know. Like all, all, all of the hundred percent invisibles this season are among my top episodes of the season. I, 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 I can't choose. Well, that is a cop out answer, and I'm gonna say my favorite is Doors. Go to hell, Dorsey, with your easy answer <laughs> from season one, and it's uh mostly because i was able to get you to get to have somebody uh <laughs> say thanks for coming dick <laughs> which is a gag i wrote into that episode you you so well actually um you wrote the whole um crease's flashback thing right i did but it was yeah. mostly and so i could write the line after that whoopsie at last thanks for coming dick uh, you, you nerd <laughs> thanks for coming dick <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, th- th- that that add-in, I think, is the best second pass uh, edition uh, you've made. Like the, those those creases uh, cutaways are a lot of fun. But it was, yeah, it's a fun segment because it's I, I you know, this is one of the things. If you don't have a writing partner, or or if you if you don't, one, it's nice to have somebody to sound off from, right? And then two, one of the things that I find fulfilling from having a you know max as a writing partner on the show and with all of our other incredible writers is the fact they're going to think of things that you haven't like even though secret entrances are like so intrinsically tied to the world of superheroes because i hadn't listened to that episode of 100 of 99 percent invisible or whatever like max had this idea which you know wound wound up being like this very charming segment and oh also that episode has one of my other favorite names uh which the designer in that uh episode played by sally kina who wrote the diner episode that's right uh is named artemis deco art deco but also Artemis to fit in with the Greek I'm, pantheon. I'm gonna thing. make the crickets in that moment longer in the edit, and I might even like <laughs> add in actual crickets. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it's such a good name. It is. It's a great name. It's a great name. <laughs> so, uh, speech bubble, or not speech bubble? I'm just reading my thing. Okay. So, 100% invisible, inspired by 99% invisible radio show hosted by Roman uh-huh. Mars. If you haven't listened to it, check it out. If you like what we do on the show, you're going to love what they do in reality. Yeah. 
100%. Invisible. <laughs> um, all right. And so next up is the utility belt. And the utility belt is based on the classic NPR program. Car talk. Car talk. I like that you're pitching these all as like fun reveals for our audience. <laughs> Well, you know, some people legitimately might not know. Like, you don't know uh, what. That, 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 there's going to be some 18-year-old that's like, there's a real show. They talk about car. I don't know why the 18-year-old has a deeper voice like, than me, but yeah, in reality, a lot of them do. Like, and it's also something 45. I don't like. It's like, hey, what is this? Hey, what's this? <laughs> oh, I'm Gen Z. Hey, yeah, my put kids. Put out my cigar. <laughs> um, you know, vaping, kids. This is what it does to you. Uh, click and clack, the Tappet Brothers. Um and uh great great show and and um <laughs> i car talk is, is like just you know classic road trip with your parents like you put it on because everyone you know can can my, my my mom played it all the time uh and they they just help people fix their cars but spend 90 percent of the episode laughing at their own joke and bantering and and it's great and to take that idea and to put it in life and death situations was so funny to me you know i hated that show as a kid (laughs) i hated it because one i didn't like cars because my dad liked cars and he also always had new car smell like sprayed in his car which is Uh like so gross i don't know if any if one if you put new car smell in your car you're a bad person two it's just like this chemical like it's made to it's supposed to make your car smell like it's like from the factory floor which is like all the things that are off gassing that are you know slowly poisoning your body and it's just so gnarly so like i my like sense memory of listening to that show was all of that and then also being stressed as a kid because as max said like somebody would call in they'd be like my car won't start and then the brothers like come in they're like oh that's so funny it's like this time ha 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 and it's it's that for 30 minutes i just would imagine this person on the other end of the line who who just wants to die like they just want to know how to fix their car (laughs) these two guys are just like laughing non-stop at their terrible jokes I do not. Th- I think if you call into car talk, you you have to know what you're you're gonna get. Well, and the other thing too is both those guys they went to MIT. They know everything there is to know about cars. They're like always. Wait, they did? Yeah. Oh wow. No, no, they are so smart and so knowledgeable, and their advice is so good once you get it out of them. Uh, and 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 all of that I think is what what makes uh, the utility belt so much fun. Because, like, we like we have a rule. And, like, we had uh, one, two... We had three of our new writers take uh, swings at Utility Belt. And uh, it was real clear th- about, like, what worked and what didn't uh, from the first drafts. Uh, because it is extremely important that Stan and WizKid are always right. Yeah. Like, like you know, that's the thing. It's like, you know, the hero may... Or, I shouldn't say hero. The caller may uh may meet a tragic end which you don't want to press the other is the line release but it is not the fault of the advice that they are giving um because you know stan and whisked like they are they are they are some brainy dudes and i just 
I love the chemistry that Andy and Matt, uh, who who voice them, uh, have. Uh, they're 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 the only two characters in the show that we record at the same time, uh, just because the banter is so important, and um, I you know like to see them improv and um, and uh, just bounce off each other. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's so good. But yeah, like their advice always has to be good, and so if something goes bad for the caller, it has to be their fault. Yeah, in well, some way. And you know what? There was another. There's another aspect, and this came up less, but it is still very important. And it was a rule that you set early on, which was they have to like each other. Like yes. all their banter has to be in good spirits. Like no matter what, they have each other's backs because that that is a thing about the Tabit brothers. Like they they would rib each other, but they also you know they were friendly throughout the entire thing and sometimes the banter would like and i'm guilty of it sometimes i would write banter that was a little too pointed and you know actually you know like we need to round this out and you know they're on um they're on each other's sides you know yeah 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 and and you know yeah Uh, and and it's just like because it is a however old henchman and literally a boy genius that that friendship it's like, like there's something that's kind of fun uh about it and like you know how like in the like 30s through 50s like you had all these hard-nosed detectives who had like a kid who would just hang out with them and it was fine <laughs> yeah uh and i like honestly like of all the things that pedophiles have ruined that's that's you know that that's top for me because I would love to have just like a kid that like we go out and we solve mysteries and I buy him a milkshake and then we go to our separate houses. You know, Max, you can just have a kid. No, that's the hard way of doing it. I mean, uh, it know, is. I, it's incredibly hard. That's a hard. commitment. <laughs> like, like I don't want I don't want that kid going home to my house. Yeah, I I I've spent this morning going to a farm and chasing and I I mean I'm it sounds like I'm planning. It was it was lovely. I got to like you know, look at pigs with my son. But then at the same time, he's like running around and touching everything. And then he's just like, Ooh, what does this dirt taste like? And we're like, ah, <laughs> I mean, like obviously utility belt is, I like has such a good energy, uh, to it. I mean, like, like every, everyone loves the utility belt. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I would say the other, like the fun, you know, the fun part, uh, in writing it too is those opening um uh, I, I i call them pun the runs size kid with a court sized brain and the gallon sized ego it's billy the whisket thanks that really speaks volumes volumes like Anyone? every episode starts on a theme and then there's just like 5 to 20 puns in the space of a hour yeah. in the space of a, a minute on that theme. there's 5 to 20 puns on in the space of like a minute on that theme and uh uh those are fun that was that was another thing after the first draft so i was like guys no 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 no. You, you you pick a topic and then you just have to come up with as many puns as possible until producer bot cuts them off yeah which producer bot came in late because originally the original pitch on the show because i i was actually you know right before we jumped on recording i was i was pulling up all the old uh sort of like pitch documents of course the pitch documents was just like stuff and me and max were writing and sending to each other and originally the utility belt was going to be two henchmen the entire time and one of them was going to be based on 
Stan Lee and the other one, I mean, which is obvious when his name's Stan, but then the other one was going to be based on Jack Kirby. And, on uh, you know, one, can anybody tell me what Jack Kirby sounds like? No. So that kind of like very quickly went away. And then you pitched me on the idea of it being a boy genius, which was fun because then we had, you know, one guy, you know, from both sides of the law. But it, you know, again, that like really fun dynamic of just also like a child is solving your issues, which felt so fun. Um, a little known fact, uh, Billy is my favorite character on the show. Billy the Wizkid. Billy the Wizkid. Billy Wizgig, which I William, feel like... William Wizgig. Yeah, William Wizgig. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel like uh, some people uh, uh, feel like they don't hear that right. Uh, Wizgig. Wizgig. Last name. He is the Wiz Kid, and his name is Wizgig. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, like, I mean, one of the main things, uh, and I think this is why I pitched it, is... I, I, I hate one-to-ones. Like, you'll notice all of our hosts, like, they're not really their NP... They're not really direct stand-ins for their NPR equivalent. Like, they're... Like, because if they were, I would feel weirder about making them do stuff. Like, like at a certain point, it just becomes fan fiction for an actual person. Um, And so, like, you know, giving them distinct personalities is really important uh, to me. But, two, the, the, I th- the reason I like like boy genius instead of two henchmen is it gives both of them very polarizing viewpoints like or or, or or i guess diametrically opposed viewpoints and things and it's really clear and distinct that it's like with even with the tapper brothers it's like some like if you don't know them well it's hard to say like oh yeah i know i know which one of them said that where with billy and stan it's like you can see a sentence on the page and know which one of them said it you know <laughs> i feel like we could have just done the show as the utility belt and it'd be a thousand times easier <laughs> well and, and, and possibly more popular too yeah. uh it's you know it's a fun concept it's easy to pitch and it yeah it's just a ton of fun oh my god yeah yeah it's it's, it's fun to make it's uh it's fun to listen to it's, it's so it's a good time what's your favorite utility belt my favorite utility belt you know the fact that you've asked me about these other uh two shows should have prepared me i could have spent some time thinking about it i think it's still grappling hooks uh, i'm having a little issue with my grappling hook it's a 2013 deployer class grapp- pneumatic carbon season one episode nine uh we have lawrence davis playing day uh, night day night and he's stuck on the outside of the building with a grappling hook i think that is like the quintessential like you, like you think about like what utility belt is, and you're like, oh yeah, someone needs help with a grappling hook. And the way you make it fun is because they are currently dangling from a building. Yeah. And I, I like I love that we have a character from Baltimore who sounds like he's from Baltimore. He does he does an okay accent uh, as somebody that works with people from Baltimore. He he does he does it all right. I'm not gonna say it's the most perfect accent because it is a. It is a hard accent to get. <laughs> you just don't really hear that many people that talk like that. And and this situation is good. I think our techno babble in that is really, really good. I, I like I feel like the the problem and the fix are both very plausible. Producer bot has has a fun gimmick in that. I think I, I think it's a very complete episode of Utility Belt. Yeah. Mine is definitely Devin Connolly, episode Connelly. two from this Devin season. Connelly. Agent Double Eleven himself? At your service. Oh, God. It's a real honor, sir. How can we help Her Majesty's least uh, The idea service. of James Bond calling in, just so much fun. And Rachel, 
I think it was just the pitch because like for everybody who wrote on the show, we allowed like, okay, if you have a pitch for it, great. Here is kind of like, here are ideas that we were kicking around. And I think she plucked that one out of a hat. And she brought it back with a Zardoz reference, which was just like, <laughs> like at the center, of at it the too. center of it. And like, I just, I fell in love with the, the segment right then and there. It's so much fun. I mm. love the, the idea that they make fun of the fact that he's famous, which is the be- like best thing about like James Bond being like, <laughs> like, Oh, I have heard of you. And it's like, well, then you're a pretty spy, aren't you? <laughs> Look, James Bond's, main job as a spy is to murder like whole cities worth of goons you don't have to you don't have to sneak around like it's like the uh it's like like the tanky rogue who uh does intimidation checks to say like i am hiding yeah i'm a i'm, like, I'm more of a george smiley fan than a uh, james bond fan oh yeah i mean give me who's the guy austin powers is based on uh michael kane had a spy series was it clute no it wasn't clute wasn't harry palmer yeah, uh, yeah, that's not my favorite spy. I don't know why I came up, but I just feel like a lot of people should know that Austin Powers aesthetically is based off of a, like a legit spy series. Also, later this season, our Jeff Jorbius uh, episode. Yeah, is we uh, that that's gonna be a lot of people's favorites. Yeah, uh, too. the hint on that one was the segment was originally called Radioactive Blood. I mean, I mean, I think Jeff Jorbius is a bigger hit. Than it's that. a Jeff Jorbius is a hundred percent a bigger hit, but uh, that one is also that was another one where we had a pitch. Tim picked it up and wound up <laughs> like handing in something that was so vastly different in like the best possible way. And again, like if you are a creative person, if you were a writer, like. Do like one, do not be afraid to share your work with other people. And two, like if you can find creative people to work with, like I think they're going to surprise you in really great ways and just like elevate whatever project you're working on. But yeah, that's uh, the utility belt, which leads us to our second to last one, because technically we have a fit. We have a fifth and a sixth, but we're going to save one of them. Uh, which is These American Supers, which is based on what most modern radio is based on, which is This American Life. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if if you're listening to us and you haven't listened to This American Life, how? Yeah, it's just weird. You're weird, yeah. you weirdo. Yeah. yeah. No, no, you're, you're, you're a beautiful person, and you made the right decision. Thank you for coming to us first. Yeah, I mean, I, This American Life is... Uh, just a great program through and through. They do amazing stories about stuff that you would never cover as a journalist. Yeah. And it really does open up just like the idea. There's a phenomenon where you uh, like, uh, for that feeling that you have when you realize that everyone around you has a complex narrative of their own, you know, in their own private life. Is it is it called empathy? <laughs> wow! But I, you know, I remember when I first started listening to This American Life. It was in college. It was my sophomore Saunder. year. Sorry, Saunder. Saunder. Mm. But uh, here's a here's a weird fact. Okay, so 
My uh, documentary professor in college is a man named uh, Kevin McCary. Uh, I production designed his narrative short film uh, later after I graduated, but before, but you know, before that, took his documentary class, and then later, I get married to Brenna Colleen, my loving wife, who uh, copy edits the show, and it turns out her dad and Kevin McCary worked in television together, like way back in the what? day. And he reached back out and was just like, I knew your wife as a baby, which is so weird. Like the the universe is so small. Anyways, that man introduced me to This American Life. It's been, you know, it's been on on my you know regular radio consuming habit for you know habits for for years and when we started talking about doing the show originally we were just going to have this superhuman life and max very rightly you know said we got to rename the show <laughs> we just can't call it this and um we we knew we were essentially going to do a one to one but because it was going to be about superheroes we weren't nervous about it because you know the subject matter is going to be different but also like a lot of modern radio really takes their aesthetic from this american life you know i even mentioned up top uh the black tapes the black tapes you know this horror narrative podcast like is put together like a this american life episode yeah i mean i mean it's a it's a great format it's a great show yeah and it, and it is like because there's so many different ways you can play an episode of these American supers. Like, like I think we tend to use it a lot. Uh, yeah. It's great whenever we need a two parter or uh, a thing. Cause like, like the main criteria for uh, this American life is it needs to be about something that's interesting and overlooked. And then, you know, to be fair, I would say it doesn't a hundred percent take its influence from this American life. I, there's also a little bit of reply all in there. And also a mystery show. Basically anything Starly Kind has done. Um, Starly Kind. Starly Kind? Starly Kind. Sorry. Sorry. You would sorry. know her name. She 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 was a producer on This American Life forever. She broke off, went to Gimlet, did mystery show, which was just kind of... Kind. Kind. Yeah. And then Miss she wanted more money to do great radio and Gimlet started imploding and she ran away and started doing tv which is a shame because she's just such an original voice i have we have tried there's a couple of voices that that are specifically like very specific to this american life that from season one i have tried to cast and it is so hard to nail them one of them is starly kind i've been looking for somebody with a voice like hers and we just we've and and it's really because her voice is so unique it's been impossible to double and then also a voice like um david rakov who was my favorite this american life producer and then he you know he passed away years ago but yeah i well we do have a we do have a name nod uh to david rakov this season with uh sydney rakov yeah so what of from this American Life, what episodes do you think of when I bring up that show? Like what if oh. you if you know, I'm oh. sure people listening to this 
are aware of this American life, but maybe they haven't listened to a, a particular segment or anything, what would you point them at? Jeez, there are literally hundreds and hundreds, like thousands, thousands of episodes. Like, well, because like you know, because they also do like like storytelling ones. Like you'll have David Sedaris on to do like to do like fun little bits. You'll have um, ones that are just like again, just like like stories about like weird competitions i actually learned how to memorize a deck of cards uh from a uh this american life segment yeah um god ah uh, i i i don't i don't even know how i'd begin to pick i there's there's one i'm going to point people at because it it is my it, it is my favorite piece of radio of all time uh the segment is called oh the places you won't go and it is a conversation between Dr. Seuss and Gregor Samsa and is written in the style of Dr. like a Dr. Seuss rhyme and then you know the like incredibly depressing metamorphosis prose of these two gentlemen of Gregor writing Dr. Seuss about being a bug and Dr. Seuss like rhyming solutions at him um and it's just the two gentlemen like talking to each other. Uh, David Rockov um, voices Dr. Seuss, and it's just it's just this beautiful piece of radio. In the first season, we had an episode that was about like aliens in America, and one of them had a poem, and it was always sort of meant to be alluding to that episode of This American Life. I didn't. I never felt like I quite nailed it, but it was my little homage to, you know, just this, beautiful, you know, incredibly charming piece of radio that I heard once. All right. Well, Max is thinking about more. Um, well, well the, the problem is I, I look to see what uh, Ira Glass recommends, and I haven't heard any of the ones on this list, and I'm just going through, and I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah, there is a lot of This American Life. I... Yeah stopped listening to it for a while because i kind of had to unplug from the trump years and sort of just i needed to not engage with the news after engaging it and like that even uh that even sort of included the sort of think pieces that were accompanying everything which is actually that that's kind of how i got more into reply all because it was more about internet ephemera and things like that which uh, i'm going to point you towards my favorite reply all which is the case of the missing hit, which inspired the mind virus segment from season one, which um, the original is about. Oh, a that's, guy. that's a fun episode. It's a really fun episode. It's about. a. It, so the original is about a guy who sort of like half remembers this song and runs into other people who can also kind of remember it, but he can't find any version of it like on the internet or on the radio so that's a real episode that is a real episode where they help wow, him you really you reference a lot of specific episodes of stuff in a way i hadn't realized yeah yeah no i huh. i use that stuff to inspire these things so like you know they wind up helping him find this song and that inspires that inspired the mind virus which was about you know the similar thing of, of just you know the the segment is about a guy who's or it's about a superhero who's been remembering a song that no one else can remember, and then you find out that it's it's been deliberately wiped from the memories of humanity, and only you know this AI is the only person who has it left. And it was our kind of Avengers assemble moment of season one. 
which was kind of like on accident because it was it was something I wrote and then kind of realized like, oh, we never got them together. So that wound up, you know, coming together that way. But uh, that's that's definitely a um, a favorite of mine. You can't tell me what to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I wanna do. Well, I mean, for favorite uh, of these American supers, uh, actually, I actually think I do have a. Uh, a pretty easy favorite, uh, which is the two-parter in episode six of last year. Uh, it, it, it's tough because because you know like there, I mean there's some great ones. Uh, Alien Hunter is great. Uh, this season we have some really uh, incredible ones. Episode one has some good ones. Uh, both of the ones with Harold Harrison, but the Hold Fast, like the the, the tribute to Stephen Singh uh, episode, is just. It gets me every time. Yeah. Many will dedicate airtime to the hero this week, but today on our program, we honor the man behind the mask. Like, and and that that I think is probably your best performance on the show, um, too, is um, in in that second half in uh, uh, talking about uh, squash. Yeah. Yeah. And like every time you say, you know, this show is dedicated to Stephen Singh, he was an avid squash player it oh gets me right in the heart that is probably that's my favorite one too and it's uh but that one is also my favorite because the context around it right like as soon as you start building these stories and you know yeah you build stories and then being able to you know take these swings at them and play with these characters and then you start missing them you know we only started to get to know steven in like episode four is when like his personality was coming out more and then we kind of robbed everything. Three, I think. Well, three. Yeah. And yeah, it was, I think it was, I don't know what we touched on. Cause I, you know, I'm sure you had have friends that listened to the show and I had a couple that like reached out and was just like, I'm, I was just surprised to be moved about this like <laughs> fictional character. And I was sad. I was sad to lose Steven saying, which is weird because we wrote them, which is like such a like, you know, like, I can't believe what I did, you know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, our favorite episode of These American Supers is the depressing one. So check that one out. And I'm also partial to the uh, the Herald ones because those, those are the ones I, I write. <laughs> ah, whatever. You know, you just like them because of Patrick Harvey. That's also true. I'm a huge fan of Patrick Harvey who plays Harold, a.k.a. Tim, a.k.a the guy from episode one and episode uh, five season two episode five 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 yeah five oh yeah that's right we've swapped that up but yeah uh you should listen to this american life you should also listen to reply all before they fell apart because of the whole bad place to work thing and mystery show go listen to it which leaves us with the last segment on the show which is not sequential because we're going to do that as its own episode uh we're going to talk about vln which was its own little uh which isn't i mean that's a little cheating because it's on its own segment it's like another like four segments it's like another four segments but i yeah this is not a spoiler i do not plan on revisiting vln just because We've, we we have some plans for season three that are already kind of like a ton of work. <laughs> so I don't I feel like we don't need to uh, 
make more work by diving back into that universe but you know it was it was a fun view from the other side of the tracks uh yeah i mean i don't know i mean vln has a lot of stuff obviously there's a lot that's inspired by fox news uh we have fox and friends um uh which is our um you mean rocks and friends you're about to enter the vortex of terror it's Throx and Friends, the VLN Morning Show. I'm your host, Throx Kilmer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and it's like, kind of, like, that basically is a one-to-one. Uh, you know, we have, you know, instead of uh, Brian Kilmeady, we have... I think it's Kilgore. Throx Kilmurder. Kilmurder. <laughs> and uh, we have Jessica Simpson uh, as our Any Blonde Woman of a Fox uh, News Show. And uh, we have Zombie Stonewall Jackson, uh, who makes regular appearances on Fox and Friends. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about Zombie Stonewall Jackson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, no, that was a fun episode. Um, ah, God, you know, it's a shame that that's our only uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me, uh, which is a play on uh, Wait, Wait, Don't The Big Dipper! Oh my God, is that a bad of acid? Tammy, the game is simple. We're going to ask you some questions about the week's news, and if you get all three, you win. And, uh, and if I yeah. don't? NPR News Quiz. Uh, NPR. Yeah, News Quiz. Um, that might come back in season three. Season 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 three is wide open, folks. You know, in, in like an alternate universe, we're, you know, on season five of the show and then on season like three of VLN and uh, I don't know. Do we have gold shoes or shoes made of gold? (laughs) Yes. It was meant to be a backdoor pilot and then we did it and then we were like, no, (laughs) just like, this is too much work now. (laughs) No, I would do more VLN if people ask. Yeah. Yeah. Look, maybe maybe we do that. We've been, you know, things that we've been talking about are the untaped segments. I'm possibly doing live readings of those. And then also uh, there is a Christmas special I wrote years ago that is rattling around in a drawer that um, if there is enough interest, we will probably do a like a, a Zoom session recording. It won't it wouldn't be as high quality as the uh episodes that max puts together but it would it would be just a little little extra treat you know what i'm gonna go ahead and say it i am going to do that christmas episode for christmas (laughs) as max is like oh no die I mean, I mean, I mean, Christmas, you know, comes every year. That's the best part about Christmas. I didn't say which Christmas. It could be 20 yeah. years from now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and I guess uh, I'm going to close this out with asking, what is your favorite episode from this season and or last season? Well, I mean, uh, hold on. Is it an and or an or? That's okay. Good. You know what? Let's just say, what is your favorite episode of SPR? My favorite episode of SPR is what is going to be next week's episode legitimately it's not just to get you to listen to it i think season two episode seven is like the coolest episode uh of of the show period there is like action and like whoa twists and cool monologues and like poignancy it's 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 a hell of an episode yeah 
I think my favorite episode is probably episode six, season one. Yeah, hold fast. It's just a good, it is a good, it is our most emotional episode. And I just, I like how that event plays throughout everything and how we even figured out. Because we, you had written Man Baby as just a segment on the show. And it was never meant to be a Stephen Singh segment. But then we were yeah. wondering, because I, I had written, like, uh, here, he, here's some real behind-the-scenes baseball. So that episode, we knew we knew Stephen Singh was going to die. Yeah. And we also had written, I had written separately the uh, Squash Player episode which um is i think is again like that takes a lot of inspiration from like it's sort of like the idea of like a confirmed bachelor of a way that uh, men were written or could basically be confirmed that they were gay and the gay community could know that one of their own died and then i was like oh that's interesting like you know superheroes at some point you know we had them be public in our universe but you know there was a time where they hadn't come out of the phone booth so that that's where that idea came from and i'd written that episode and it was going there was going to be a two part the you know the these the these american supers episode about superheroes dying separately from steven singh and you had written man baby and we really liked that segment it was this idea of oh well okay we don't want the whole thing to just be this dirge you know yeah and then i don't know wh- like i don't know when we made that decision to make that stevens episode and then kind of write like oh he worked at you know these american supers that was his introduction to spr that's that's where he got his start and that was like really neat and just it it fe- you know, really good character moments feel like it always feels like you're filling, you're coloring in the lines more. And instead of it making, it just, it feels like you're deepening that image. And it was this nice moment where we got to learn more about him. And but then also have something that was completely unrelated to his death. But then it ends with like, you know, this was his, his, you know, this was our favorite segment with him, which was like really nice. It like, I don't know. It was just this, it way to knit those two worlds together and then have this like tribute to this character that was really moving. And I don't know. I just, a lot of the show sometimes feels like a happy accident and it's more, it's more, um, you know, we're pretty good about, uh, passing the baton to each other. And like when we have disagreements with how we believe stories should go or anything like that, like, you know, we, we'll, we'll resolve them. It, like sometimes we won't talk to each other for a week, but like we'll we'll figure it out. And then in terms of like, oh, here's this neat thing that I would like to see on the show. And we we try we, we try to be very cognizant of like, OK, this is a good idea. Where can we use it? And that was one of I, I think is one of our like finest hours of yeah. just like here's all of our best writing let's put it together oh we have this really moving moment like that's all let's put it all here and it just it is it is also statistically our uh worst performing episode so uh if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to that one uh it's a good one oh well i maybe people don't like getting bummed out no they don't know they didn't listen to it well it's not no like anyone who's listened to it loves it yeah 
It says for some reason they're like episode five. Yeah, do what's great seven. <laughs> uh, uh, odd numbers only, baby. Keep well, it prime. You know what? I'll take it. And then uh, I guess before we leave, it's not a spoiler, but if you're gonna give a hint yeah. for the yeah, rest of this season, Max. All right. Well, if I had to give a hint, it's um. We had a lot of fun doing the Mind Virus episode in 12 because we got all of our hosts together. And it was just really fun watching the different hosts interact uh, out of the format of their show. And we do something uh, pretty fun like that uh, this season. So uh, you have that to look forward to. And also, yeah. you've definitely heard um, all of our villains at this point. Uh, but they're so much worse than you think. Yeah. I would say the big hint is we're going to play with the idea of what is true and what isn't in the second half of the season. The scariest part about the Trump presidency was the idea that he put forth is the idea of like, don't trust anything you hear. And I think that is something that will carry forward into season two. Cool. All right. Spooky. Spooky. Yeah. And that's uh so um I guess you did it last time, but uh, I I'll I'll do the outro on this one. So, you know, folks uh this is SPR. Uh, I, I read, you know, I read the episodes aloud and I, I do it. I do the, this is SPR and like my basement. I'm sure my wife is listening to me and being like, that guy's oh, a that's, that's why she married you. All right. <laughs> that's true. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Night has fallen. The moon is full. And we're inviting you to listen to Canada by Night, a podcast where professional improvisers play Vampire the Masquerade. Detective-turned-vampire Everett Fry accidentally becomes the sheriff of New Haven, an experimental town where they're testing if vampires and humans can coexist. Stuck leading a ragtag group of officers, the Bruja bounty hunter Val, the gangrel news reporter Evangeline, and the Tremere blood witch Doris, can Everett keep the town running? Or will everyone end up liquidated by the Vampire Council of Canada? Trending on global fiction charts and produced by Dum Dums and Dice, whose podcast Dum Dums and Dragons ranked number two of all fiction podcasts in America. Listen now to find out why Canada by Night has been downloaded more than a half a million times. Canada by Night, its interview with the vampire, if it had all the characters from Parks and Wreck in it. 